Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with chains once every millennium. Something will come along When you feel it, you will know it Cause it's coming on strong That thing That thing That thing With James Sit back Relax Deep breaths No stress Let me come You, it won't take long, the change will happen soon You will feel something so special growing deeper than you That thing, that thing, that thing with James That thing, that thing, that thing with James That's me Thank you, 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 thank you. Welcome to episode three of That Thing with James J. Asher II. That's me! Notice something different? Go on. I'll give you a second to guess. If you're watching the video, you, you've got a huge advantage over the people on audio. People on audio, I feel sorry for you. You're catching up to this so much later than the video people. I still haven't even gone through the process of uh, finding an audio host or even looking at anything, really, uh, into the audio part of it. I just know how to upload videos to YouTube. It's really quite simple um, if you know how to do it. But audio, that's, that's a... That's a path I haven't even explored yet. I know I have to find a host and and upload it, and then I gotta create an RSS feed and and then get it onto platforms like iTunes or SoundCloud and it's pretty overwhelming, especially when I'm already feeling overwhelmed in general in life. But let me get back to the question. Audio people, I'll cut you some slack. I'm wearing a hat. See? My mom got me this hat. It's called a Mowbray. It's the style. I really like it. It's very jazzy. Um, and it's made by... Ugh. Ugh. God. This week. Excuse me. You know, this week's just been a mess. Anyway, this hat. It's made by a company called... Kangol. K-A-N-G-O-L. Kangol. And it says here on the label, Born British. Established in 1938. So Kangol, it's a British company. The, the style of the hat is Mowbray. It's black. It's jazzy. Uh, the size is a large. 
Um, it's made of bamboo, and uh, and it was also made in Taiwan. Well, well, the people of Taiwan, I I salute you. I really enjoy this hat, and and I'm grateful that I got this hat from my mother a couple years ago. But I'm wearing the hat, not just because it looks cool, but because I'm having a bad hair day. And really, I've been having a bad hair week. Now, there have been a few days when my hair looked good, quite good, I must say. And then there are other days like today where it's just flat and dull. And that, that is kind of how the week has been, sort of flat, but not necessarily dull. It started off really good. I, uh, after uploading the uh, second episode of this show, I, I saw that um, I got an email from, um, what's the place called? Patreon because I've got a, a Patreon account set up for anyone who wants to donate. And there's different brackets. I've tried to make it as, you know, inexpensive as possible. If you just want to, you know, make some kind of, make a gesture of some kind. Like, I don't want to say a dollar is a small gesture. That's a huge gesture. Um, and, and, but it goes from like a dollar all the way up to 15 grand is the limit that they would let you set your, um, you know, monthly donation installments on. So I was like, you know, it can't hurt to just put it there anyway. What if like, what if some very affluent individual saw this or heard this show and said, you know what? I want to invest in this kid. Um, and, but I don't want to do, you know, I, I, I don't want to do anything less than $15,000. Then they could go to my Patreon at Patreon.com slash James, or what is it? Patreon.com slash that thing with James. And uh, if they went there and they saw there's a $15,000 thing, they could, uh, you know, totally give me $15,000. And that would uh, help pay off my student loans because I'm very fortunate. I didn't walk out of, um, out of college, much less uh, graduate school. Um, with uh, less than $15,000 in debt. I won't tell you, I won't tell you the exact number, but, uh, I will tell you that it's substantially what I owe you. What I owe is substantially less than what my, my girlfriend, Emily owes. Um, and she, she only did undergrad. She graduated undergrad and she walked away with, um, a lot more debt than I would have made even if I hadn't had the benefit of programs like OLAP in Oklahoma, which I, I don't believe it exists anymore, but OLAP paid for my tuition throughout all of undergrad. Um, and then I, I sustained a back injury when I was 20 years old. Um, I broke my T8 vertebrae. Uh, that, uh, I might tell you that story later. I might not, uh, if you keep watching the show and I don't tell you the story tonight, because I'm filming at night, um, I'll definitely tell you the story of how I broke my back at some point, because it had a large 
impact on my life. So through physical therapy, I forget what it was called, like vocational rehab. Through vocational rehabilitation, um, I also got a little bit of more money. They, they paid for my books. And then in grad school, I was, I was a TA and I did other stuff. Oh, I, I did work study as well um, in, in undergrad, uh, mostly in the costume shop in the theater department. And then in grad school, I was a TA and I did other stuff. So I had a little bit of help there, but really grad school was the only school I had to take out student loans for. The other one, I didn't really need it. Just live off beans and rice. I'd, I'd much rather live a life that I find enjoyable and happy while eating beans and rice um, instead of drowning in debt. I don't, I don't like that. Um, but anyway, but back to the hat. I'm wearing the hat because it looks cool. It, and uh, the second purpose it serves is that just having a bad hair day. I'm having a bad hair week. And what was I talking about before? At the beginning of the week, good things happened. I got my first donation on Patreon from a very good friend of mine named Josh. So shout out to Josh. Josh, shout out. I'm shouting you out, Josh. Josh. I'm sorry I'm not actually shouting right now, but I have neighbors. And I'm not that much of a dick. So Josh, thank you so, 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 so much. I was not expecting that at all. I was not expecting to get a, 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 a patron, a patron of my, my, my work. A patron of my art. Two episodes in. Two episodes in, man. You made me a professional podcaster. What the hell? How did this happen? I'm... I, I'm still stunned that I, I, I'm a paid professional podcaster two episodes in. And this is still a small thing, baby. Josh... Thank you so much, man. You are awesome. You've always been very supportive. And for those of you who don't know Josh, he's a friend of mine from a small town I grew up in in, in, in Oklahoma. And uh, Josh was one of the uh, people who took me in pretty soon after I moved there. I believe I mentioned in the first episode that I had kind of a rough time. Um, after moving from New Jersey to Oklahoma, I had a tough time making friends and stuff. But Josh was one of the first people who was my friend. And he's still a friend to this day. And he's clearly very supportive because he made me a paid professional podcaster this two episodes in. So, man, I really didn't expect anything out of this show. <laughs> I just wanted to do it. It just seemed like something fun. I remember when I was in junior high, I had like a cheap little, like a Logitech microphone. 
uh, that I kept on like a clamp on the side of my monitor and I would just do voice record on, on windows XP. Uh, if that was what the operating system was when I was in, in middle school, I think it might've been, I think it was XP. I think 97 had been phased out windows 97, 98. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I used to just record a radio show on my computer by myself because I spent a lot of time alone and I had to come up with ways to entertain myself. And so making my own radio show, I, I did a radio voice and made up all sorts of bits and I'd have my parents on as guests. I, I'm sure those recordings are long gone because the, the computer's long gone. I used to uh, build computers for fun. My dad got me into it. He's a nerd. Oh, my dad's a nerd. And I am a nerd, too. So he was into building computers, buying parts and putting it together himself. I used to help with that. And, uh, and I used to build my own stuff. He helped me out buying parts. I would save up money to buy stuff. And it was fun. I still enjoy computer stuff. Computers is good. I like cyber. Cyber is good stuff, man. How about that? I'm a millennial who knows a lot about cyber. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm catching myself doing something here. And it's something I need to work on. Actually, it's not something I need to work on. It's something I am actively working on. And with practice, I'm getting better at not trying. What do you mean not trying? What I mean is it's like Taoism or Taoism. That's a weird word, but it makes sense because it's Chinese thing. It's either spelled D-A-O or T-A-O. But even when it's spelled T-A-O, it's pronounced Tao. Taoism. Tao. What is the Tao? So, as far as I understand, the Tao is a philosophy. Much like Buddhism, it's a philosophy and a practice. And it's very old. Very old. Um, and Taoism, I believe, was invented in, in China by the philosopher named Lao Tzu. L-A-O-T-Z-U, I think. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Or Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Yeah, that sounds right. Lao Tzu. And he had all sorts of really great stuff to talk about. Like, life is a river, and you are floating on that river through life. So, so, so what, what is it like to float on a river? Well, you're on water. You're floating, because you're hopefully buoyant. Not everyone is so buoyant. I don't think I'm that buoyant. I'm like skin and bones and uh 
Well, anyway, you float on the water and the river, it might go straight for a long time. It might curve. It might be wide. It might be very narrow. It might be slow and lazy, or it might be fast and rapid. It might be rocky. It might be placid. When you're floating on a river, the current, if it is strong, carries you. So you have limited control over where you can maneuver. If the water's more slow and lazy, more placid-like, you can swim around more easily. But if you're caught in rapids, man, you're getting whipped all around, all over the place. And that's just a metaphor for life and what it's like to go through life. And it also acknowledges that you don't have full control over things. You don't have, you don't always have control over what direction you want to go, how, how fast or how slow you can go. Sometimes you can't help but run into a rock. Sometimes you might get sucked under. You could drown very well. Taoism accepts that life is bigger than you. And that you might have some small amount of free will. I, I don't know if I want to really use the word free will, but will. You're able, like I was talking about in the first episode with like 80-20, you can, okay, all of the forces in life, uh, of all the forces in life, your will is probably less than 20%. But let's say if your will is 20% of what happens to you, you're able to control 20% of the things that happen to you in your life, then the remaining 80%, you have no control over. I... I don't think we have, I think we have some control to a certain extent and, um, that extent, uh, I don't think is a static percentage. I think, um, if, with, with more awareness, uh, one might be able to utilize make use of their will more so than someone who is less aware. Um, and when I say aware, I just mean like out of your head, not like insane out of your head, but you're not living in your head. You're not interpreting everything through your thoughts and through your analysis and through your inner monologue. No, when you're outside of your head, you're just living in the space around you. You're actually listening, feeling, he uh, 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 seeing, smelling, tasting, experiencing real things happening to you instead of stuff in your head that you're trying to force or trying to spin some kind of angle, find some kind of perspective on something like and perspective is an important thing, but um, it can be abused. You can try to do like what, 
you know, a lot of news media and politicians or pretty much anybody, not just them, anybody try to spin, try to twist the story to fit some kind of narrative that you're pushing. Really being aware is to not push some kind of narrative. It's just to be, to exist and to exist and to just be is what Taoism, much like Buddhism, strives to achieve. Um, and there's a bunch of great one-liners that Lao Tzu wrote. I can't remember all of them. I can't remember any of them right now because I haven't thought about it in so long. But Taoism accepts that everything uh, has its sort of purpose because everything influences everything else. It's uh, an absolute miracle that you and I even exist if one piece of gas percentage of uh, nitrogen in the air were off like uh, half a percent, we'd all be fucking dead or something. I, I, I don't know the percentages off the top of my head, but this book I've been reading goes into a lot about it. It's a book called A, a Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson. I really like Bill Bryson. He's a fun writer. The first book of his that I read was Neither Here, Neither Here Nor There, where he goes on a trip through Europe, um, tracking the steps that he took as a young man in his 20s in the 1970s, backpacking through Europe. He goes on the same path that he took now as, a, as an old, older man. Um, I think perhaps in his fifties or something, he's got a child and everything and he's an adult and he just, it, he writes about his exploration and musing on how things have changed between when he was a young man and when he's a middle-aged to older man. Um, and it's a really fun read. And so is this book. It's basically, he's a guy who said, look, I'm a, I'm a words person. I'm a literature kind of person. Numbers are not really my strong suit. Math kind of goes in one ear and out the other because I have trouble processing it. And so he devoted himself, uh, a, a quite a long time, this entire book. This copy is what? Let's see here. How many pages is this? Well, there's notes. Um... It's about just under 500 pages. It's, it's no thin book, but he covers like every branch of science and science history. And he, he presents it in a way that is palatable for someone like me and someone like, like him, right there, there he is. Someone like him, Bill Bryson, because we're more word people. We get like art art kind of stuff. What's math? Who's, who's, uh, hemoglobin, melatonin? What is all this stuff? We're all made of stardust? What? Explain that to me. That's what he does in this book. Well, anyway, there was a really great passage in there that I didn't mark because I didn't think of it because I was reading it. Like I read the passage like two weeks ago where he was talking about how all, everything is just so... Uh, everything on earth is just so perfectly perfect to foster life. If things were just a fraction, f 
fraction of a fraction different, then none of us would have existed. None, no, there'd be no life as we know it. It'd be like gas or water or fire, whatever. Some kind of element. So the universe is all working together like an orchestra. Every instrument has its own role to play. And every instrument influences every other instrument instrument to create a sound and a rhythm. And everything in the universe, and possibly even in, within multi-universes, possibly within universes influencing one another, everything works in this beautiful harmony of existence. It, it, it works together to create a wondrous sound and rhythm. And a lot of that happens out of your control. So the sooner you can accept the fact that you can control very, very little, the sooner you will settle down, the sooner you will feel more content in life, more grounded the sooner you will be living not in your head, but in the world around you, occupying your body and not your mind, your abstract, your thoughts. Because you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are just some thing that who knows where they come from. Uh, we think they're in the brain. Some people think they're in the gut. Some people think it's both or the heart. Um, I know if, if a hardcore biologist or neurologist sees this, they're probably kicking and screaming saying, it's in the brain! It's in the brain! I don't, I don't disagree with that. I just, I'm acknowledging that there's like other tribes and shit throughout history that said, what? You don't think with your brain, you think with your stomach. I'm agnostic about it all. Um, if you, uh, science, I'm not entirely agnostic about. If it's provable, it's provable. The scientific method exists for a reason. But also there are things that, well, we just haven't even thought of yet or haven't quite discovered just yet. So I don't write out things that, you know, haven't been unproven. <laughs> So, anyway, Taoism is about, uh, the, the word Tao is called um, the path, I think. It's a path. It's a way of uh, pursuing, it's a way of living your life in such a way, um, uh, in, in such a way that you are flowing. Tai Chi is based on Taoism. It's very flow. It's go with the flow. Um, some kind of influence will be happening to you instead of trying to uh, brace and resist it and power through it and getting injured. Go with it. Tai Chi or Judo where you use another person's weight, their own gravity, their own force against them. It's a defensive martial art. Whoa. Someone's punching at me. Deflect. Someone's kicking. Deflect. 
You might even stick your foot out and trip them. You just had your foot there. You're not attacking them. You just had your foot there. And then they tripped out of their own aggression. But you stayed calm. You kept breathing. You paid attention. And you went with, you went the direction that the force was going. And you work with it. Taoism is seeking to um, recognize, to be aware of um, forces in your life, uh, be they people wanting things from you or some, or some physical object flying at you or, you know, anything, any kind of influence in your life, be it um, physical or otherwise. Learning to go with that force and make something of it without bracing and without damaging or intentionally causing damage or, or getting damaged yourself. It's seeking to go with the flow and pursue a path of um, hopefully no resistance, hopefully in a direction toward a, 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 a place you want to arrive at. So there's a saying called Wu Wei or Wei Wu Wei. Uh, I, I think that's uh, Chinese as well. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's Cantonese or Mandarin or, or what, but it's from the China area. Um, you know, China where they do cyber that place. Well, Wu Wei is Roughly translated, it means um, oh, acting or like uh, acting without force, doing uh, action in action, which is not to say doing nothing, because even if you're doing nothing, you're still doing something. If you're just sitting there, you're still sitting. So anyway, it's it's pursuing a path of of action without force. It's pursuing an action in a very smooth way that is harmonious with all of the other forces around you. Um, and oftentimes you see more success with something. If you're, if you're going to do something, um, you have a better chance of succeeding in doing it. Um, if you do it through Wu Wei, through lack of force, through going with it, um, through not pushing it. So, a little bit ago I mentioned I keep doing this thing and I don't want to do it. And I'm always working on myself to not do it. And that thing is trying. I have a habit of trying too hard. Because, 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 because of a million different things, my friend. And I'm not going to sit here and try to think of them all because this is not a uh, traditional therapy session. But, you know, things can be a therapy session. This, this could be therapeutic for me. It could be therapeutic for you. Why not? If we find some type of insight and walk away from this, um, better people than we were before, then I'd say 
that's pretty damn therapeutic because it makes you feel good and it helps you understand things. So trying too hard is something I, I, I want to please. I want approval. I want to please. And I want to be proud of myself for having done good or having uh, uh, exceeded my own expectations of myself. And oftentimes when I try, I end up getting so nervous and so much in my head that whatever I do ends up shitty. It just goes to crap because I'm nervous and I'm trying too hard and then I'm forcing and not being myself and not being Wu Wei. I'm not just breathing and being my natural self. And as an actor, this is a subject of great importance to me. I don't want to force, I don't want to be unnatural. And that was my biggest obstacle in acting classes in general and in performances is trying too hard because you become aware that you're being watched and you go, oh, I'm being watched. I better start doing something. I better appear some certain way. So I have some kind of influence. So they, I, I want them to think of me this certain way. So I got to do this. I got to, okay. Um, how do I do this? Oh, okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow. That is not good acting because you're trying too hard because you're not being natural because frankly you're acting and you're not doing it well. What is acting anyway? What the word act to act is to perform an action. Performing an action is doing something. And, uh, that's all acting is, is doing things, not performing as if you're doing something, not, uh, you know, I'm sitting here, if I were to do something like say, if I were to read the back of this copy of journey to the end of the night by Celine and utterly an utter snore of a book, baby, I have tried so hard to get through this thing and I'm, I've got like a hundred pages left and it just gets more and more boring. Anyway, if, if we were doing a scene and I was supposed to in the script and the director says, I'm supposed to read the back of this to myself. I'm sitting here and, uh, and, and, and while I'm reading this, uh, another person enters the scene and talks to me and asks me to do something. Um, so I'm trying to read this and now someone's coming in and trying to get in the way of me completing my reading of the back of this book. That's already drama, man. That's theater. Oh shit. Oh shit. We got an inciting incident cause I'm about to get interrupted. So I know as an actor, I know I'm about to get interrupted. So if I'm reading this thing, am I going, am I supposed to just sit here and pretend 
um, like I'm actually reading it. And then I wait for the other actor to come in because I know they're going to come in and I know they're going to interrupt me. So I'm just going to sit here and pretend like I'm reading. And then when the other person comes in, it will be kind of like, Hey, oh man, maybe not that bad, but audience isn't stupid. You pick up on stuff. You're a keen observer. Yeah, you. You're a keen observer. You're smarter. You're probably smarter than you think. And probably a lot more observant than you think. There's a lot more going on than in your, in your surface conscience. Surface consciousness. Like, you're picking up on a lot of stuff that you're not fully aware of. And that's how you can tell when, oh, this is not great acting. I can't quite tell what is wrong, but something just seems a little off. Now, if I were here, sitting here pretending to read and then someone came in and interrupted and I looked up, you could probably tell, like, you weren't fucking reading that, man. You're a hack. I don't like your shit. I'm going to devote a whole subreddit community to what an awful actor you are. Instead of if I were to sit here and actually read it, Huh? You know, I'm trying to read and then someone wants something from me. So what am I getting at? This is a weird exercise. It's a weird exercise, man. If, if To act is to perform an action, is to do something. And if you're, you're doing something, just fucking do it. Another trap is to affect. This was the thing that got me so much as a young actor. And I still have to look out to not get sucked into it when you're you're reading the emotional arc in a script and oh it says here um uh the character i'm playing is supposed to cry i don't know if i can make myself cry so then uh, a, a younger actor would try to force themselves to cry they would think of all sorts of just negative things or try to work their body and breathing in such a way to try to get some tears out or something. Uh, and, and essentially they're trying to control the situation, trying to control their emotions because they want to do good and they want to please and they want, they want, um, you know, adoration. They want people to say, Oh, you did a good job. Get that, that approval. Um, the, the actor reads that they're supposed to cry and they, they freak out and they might actually start crying because they can't bring themselves to fucking cry on demand. You can't control your emotions. So why bother? You can't control your emotions. Emotions are fickle. You're not always going to feel a certain way, especially if you're doing something in theater, if you're doing a role over and over and over again you're not always going to feel the same way because you might just be having an off day, kind of like I've been having an off week. Am I ever going to get to that? I don't know. I'm busy talking about acting shit right now. Hopefully it's interesting to you. I find it extremely interesting. I find it, um, to me, studying acting is not just studying acting. It is studying life, humanity, how people behave, how they interact, how they react, 
how things happen, why things happen, what effect does it have on shit. I love it. Well, you can't control your emotions. What can you control? You can control your actions. You can control your, your choices. So when, what does that mean? Choices. Oh, you made some strong choices. To make a choice is to pursue a certain goal that is physically, like literally achievable within the scene. I've got a book somewhere around here. I've got a million books, man. This, this book is called, uh, it's called, uh, the handbook for the, the actor's handbook for practical aesthetics. It's basically the book, the seminar, seminal book for a acting, um, approach called practical aesthetics, which was made by, um, William H. Macy, the actor, and, um, good lord, I always forget this guy's name, and I don't know why. He's so good. He wrote Glengarry Glenn Ross, American Buffalo, um, all sorts of good shit. He's a Jewish guy, and I'm pretty sure he's from Chicago, and I've got to look his name up, because it drives me nuts how I always forget it. What is his name? Bear with me now. Well, William H. Macy and this writer, whose name I'm just about to look up, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, written by uh, David Mamet. Yeah, William H. Macy and David Mamet were friends. They were like hippies, like 1970s theater, man. The shit I wish I was around for. 1970s hippie shit. They met. Mammoth was, I believe, older than Macy, but they met and they became friends and they developed this um, acting approach based off of two things. Based off of um, the Meisner technique, Meisner acting, because that's what they studied and I've studied Meisner as well, a couple different classes. Um, I, I, around this time last year, I was just starting in a Meisner class, but I had to, I had to drop out, man. It's just, I couldn't afford it, which sucks because I really want to just be in an acting class and continue to get better and, and, and meet people and do the thing, but it's expensive and I can't afford it. And I don't want to have to find a second day job to be able to afford it because I kind of like the way I, I get to live right now. Um, it's not ideal, but it's pretty close to it for me. I'm pretty close, pretty close. If I didn't have to wake up at a certain time on certain days, that'd be really good consistently. I, I, I would always get up for a gig. If I got a gig, man, I'd be happy to get up. But for like a day job, it's just never ending. It wears me out. It makes me really, really grumpy. So anyway, practical aesthetics, David Mamet, 
William H. Macy based it off of Meisner technique. And so Meisner technique was the first thing. And the second thing was um, Stoicism. The Stoic writings of, I believe, the philosopher's name was Epictetus. I think that was his name. And his whole thing behind Stoicism was all about you can't control everything, but you can control um, your intentions. You can control your intentions. And when I say an actor, and when I talk about acting and making choices, making bold or good or strong choices in acting, that means um, setting an intention and setting a goal that is achievable within the scene to get this person to open the door. I might not physically, you know, tell them open the door or something. You're still working within the um, uh, constraints of the dialogue and the, the text, but you're, you're, you're trying to achieve something. Uh, you know, you're not trying to get someone to believe in God or not believe in God. You can't really get a person to do that, but you could manage to get someone to open a door for you. You could manage to get someone to give you praise, that kind of thing. And this, this book, the, uh, um, handbook, actor's handbook to practical aesthetics. If that is indeed what the book is called, I've got it somewhere around here. That's what it pursues. So interesting. I mentioned stoicism and I mentioned, uh, Taoism. There's a lot of similarities between Taoism and stoicism. And a lot of it has to do with just accepting that you're very small. You have a very small influence on things. And so you shouldn't get all worked up about shit that you cannot control. Most of your suffering in life is your attachment to your desire to some kind of outcome. It is control. Your, your, your desire for control of things and, and your attempt to control of things and, and your constant failure to control everything is what causes you suffering. And if you want to experience less suffering, you're going to want to stop trying to control everything and just kind of go with it and be aware of what is happening in the present moment and the here and now. Om. And so that's what William H. Macy and David Mamet based practical aesthetics off of. They utilized the Meisner technique of repetition, which is a, a, an ingenious exercise to get you out of your head. It almost just kind of gets you in a trance. So you're just so absorbed in the, in, so interested. What the, I think like the, the line is like, um, you are only as interesting as you are interested. So that means, um, if you're all up in your head, you're not, if an actor's like all up in their head and they're, you can tell they're just acting, 
you're going to be turned off by it. You're going to be like, this, this sucks. I don't like this. Whereas if the person is actually interested in what's going on, if they're actually absorbed, absorbed in these, um, in, in these things going on in the stage or on the camera or wherever, that's what makes an interesting performance. If a person is actually doing the things it's weird to talk about, and it's certainly weird to talk about in just this one sitting. I, I, it, it's a long conversation to understand acting techniques, but the thing about um, acting techniques that I really like, and like I said, studying acting, it's not just for acting, it's for life in general. And I feel like a lot of the things that you learn in a good acting class are things that go beyond just acting. They're things that influence your personal life. You don't want to just wait until a performance to not live in your head. You don't want to wait until you have an audience to just be absorbed in a moment. You want to strive to always be interested, interested in the things around you and the life around you. And the circumstances that surround you. You want to be interested and invested in living in them. You're not thinking, not thinking so much. You're not so wrapped up in your head. Because when you're wrapped up in your head, you're thinking. You're thinking you're not good enough, or you're thinking, shit, this is never going to work out. I'm going to be stuck forever. That's no good. And that doesn't do anything but make you just feel worse until you spiral downward. The, it's not going to do you any good, so don't do it. Or try not to do it. Oh, well, that's, it's easy for you to say, I've got this or that condition, or, uh, you know, yes, some people, some people have certain conditions. I have certain conditions as well. But there are exercises you can pursue to uh, exercise your, your, your here and nowness muscle, your present muscle. Meditating. That's the biggest one, man. Meditating. Just sitting. And you're going to want to do something. You're going to want to shuffle around. You're going to think thoughts or whatever. Yeah, it's okay if you think thoughts. Your your heart is meant to pump blood. Your brain is meant to pump thoughts or pick up thoughts as they come from the ether and get processed and go blast out somewhere else. That's what your brain is supposed to do. The key is to not get hooked on to those thoughts because you're sitting and you're going to start thinking, oh no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I better not think. Okay, don't think. Okay, don't thinking. God, I'm uncomfortable. God, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Instead of getting wrapped up in that because you're still you're latching on to these thoughts, just uh, if you start thinking and stuff, which is what's gonna happen, you're gonna think just so thought. Just observe it and let it go. Like a cloud, like your mind is a window, and your thought is a cloud passing by that window. And then it eventually goes away.
You are not your thoughts. You are what you be. You be what you be. Okay? Now, I want to get better at being. Not only for acting, but for my personal life. Because I feel like when I am just being, I feel much more at peace. There's less pain in my back, less pain in my body, less pain in my brain, my heart, my stomach, less tense. If I can just be and not be so wrapped up in my head and my thoughts and in my, my desire for control, my desire for certain outcomes, my desire. Life is better. And I'm a lot nicer to people if I'm just being. Because I'm a lot, I'll be a lot less grouchy. And I'll be having a lot more fun. And so I'm always practicing at getting better at that. At just being. And this week, this bad hair week, has really tried me, man. The past month, the past year, just... This past month has been particularly testy. I've been dealing with a lot of stuff with my day job. <sighs> Getting jerked around by people. Trying to get stuff settled, get some bureaucratic. This has been an, an utterly bureaucratic week for me, just dealing with paperwork, having to go to these offices and fill out forms and pay money for things and do all this shit that I feel like it's getting in the way of me being. It's getting in the way of my being. And I, I just get pissed off that I have to go do this thing and deal with traffic and go get this taken care of. And oh, there's another fucking issue popping up. And this is a never ending saga of, uh, of just uh, annoyance. That's kind of life the past couple of weeks. And I feel like if I had not been so caught up in all of it, if I had been able to just be, it wouldn't have been such a bad hair week. It would have been a lot less of a struggle for me if I just kind of like, just breathe, just go with it. But no, I, I had a rough week dealing with all sorts of bullshit, man. And, but... It needed taken care of. I needed to get some stuff registered, yada yada. And it's done now and I feel better and I feel a lot more at ease. And, and, and I like being free to just do what I like to do, like this, or writing shit. Um, and I get really upset if I don't get to fucking do the shit that I love to do. I get very upset. And so that's why I'm always pursuing a life that would allow me to just be able to live uh, via, be able to pay my bills and, and live the quality of life that I enjoy, um, be able to afford those things through doing the things that I love. And the things that I love is just art stuff. And, uh, it ain't fucking easy, man. Water time.
it's not easy. You have to... You really have to give up a lot of stuff if you're, if you're really going to pursue uh, an artistic life you're going to have to make some big sacrifices. You're not going to get to live so comfortably. You're not going to get to ha deal with the most respectable of people. But you might have a really interesting life. <laughs> um, and you might be doing something that makes you feel good, feel fulfilled, because you created something. That's the life I want. That's the life I pursue. Doing that. Full-time working artist. That's what I want to be. Now I'm a... I guess I'm part-time. No. Full-time. I just don't... I want to get paid full-time for it, is what I want. I want to get paid full-time for art shit. So hopefully that can work out someday, but for right now I need a day job. And I have to... Um, pay bills <laughs> I have to I gotta whore myself out in ways that I don't necessarily like whoring myself out I'd rather whore myself out the way I want to whore myself out yeah I'm getting bored of this line of thought so let me read something to you here this is uh, Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce this is a weird book. Uh, my, my girlfriend got this for me on my 27th birthday because I was asking her for it. And I have not even gotten anywhere near halfway through it. I'm maybe like one-fifth. I'm a fifth into the book. And that is including the copious uh, dozens of introductory stuff. So I'm really not even a fifth into the book. I'm barely scratching the surface of the book. But it is so wild, man. Let me see if I can find... Here it is. The Beginning of Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce. It's so weird. I love it. It's a funny, goofy book. He makes a lot of portmanteau words, a lot of silliness, kind of like uh, Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky. I think it was Lewis Carroll who wrote that. Anyway, River Run Past Eve and Adam's from swerve of shore to bend of bay, bring us by a commodious vicus of recirculation back to Howth Castle and environs. Sir Tristan, violer de mort fro frover the short sea, had Passancore rearrived from North America on this side of the scraggiest of Europe minor to wielder fight his peninsulate war, nor had Top Sawyer's rocks by stream or ocean exaggerated themselves to Lawrence, Con Lawrence County's gorgeous while they went doubling their mumper all the time, nor a voice from a fire bellows mish mish to tough tough Tor Patrick, not yet, though very soon after had a Kid scad butt-handed a bland old Isaac, not yet, though all's fair in park of pot wait, all's pear and vanity 
where Soisi Sethsers Roth with Ton Nathan Nathan Joe Rot a pack a pause malt had gem or shen brood by arc light a and Rory and to the ragin brow was to be seen ringsome on the aqua face the fall ba 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 lagara tagadaga mimaron or condoron bron or toneron or turon thron or amvan haron shon kaun tu hu hu renen thunk of a once wild straight old power is retailed early in bed and later on life down through the all down through all Christian minstrelsy. The great fall of the off wall entailed at such short notice of the shoot of Fridigan, erst solid man, that the Humpty Hill head of himself promptly sends an inquiring one well to the west in quest of his tumpty tumpy toes and their upturned pipe point and place is at the knock out in the park where oranges have been laid to rust upon the green since Devonland's first loved Livy. What? Exactly. You read into it. The, you got to read it really slow, and then you kind of feel like you start to get the hang of what it's saying. But then it'll throw something else that'll completely throw you off, and uh, and you're trying to think, okay, what's what's going on here? I think I've, I'm grasping the context now. I'm grasping the the story. Wait, wait, I, I'm not getting any of this. It's not making any sense. I like that book because it kind of throws you off. If I'm feeling really in my head, all I need to do is like read a page of that, and I'm totally. If I'm worried about something, reading that shit will just kind of like take me off track and set me down somewhere else. But it's not so worried about my own shit. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So this week, been dealing with a lot of crap, man. Oh, I just remembered I was going to talk about something. So in episode two, Bennett and I were talking about uh, knife fighting. And if we both agreed to stab each other with a knife, like I have a knife, he has a knife, and then we run into each other's knives. If we had like a note written down, notarized or anything, just a note, a contract. If we drew a contract and signed it, uh, and if cops came because the neighbor called and saw us running into each other's knives and then falling down and bleeding out, if the cops came, could we be in trouble? Because we had a written agreement that we wanted to do this. Is that possible? Now, I, I recently, yesterday, my girlfriend told me she looked up the question and found an answer. So in Texas, where I live, it is somewhat possible. You can't stab each other, but dueling is allowed in Texas as long as a contract is written. And as far as I know, it does not need to be notarized. But as far as there's a, uh, both parties have signed a contract, they are legally allowed 
to duel. And the catch is, you, the only weapon you can use is fists. You can only use duel with fists. But, yeah, in Texas, if you have a contract, it's legally possible to duel. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So if you want to duel like a real cool dude, you can duel if you want to. Now, I want to go back to this book. Journey to the End of the Night by Selene. It's a boring book. Uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine gave me this book. She gave me this, this copy. And, uh, well, one time I was in a car wreck. And in this car wreck, I, I broke my wrist. So I had to go to an emergency room. And I had this book in my bag because I was, um, I was in Tulsa visiting my girlfriend at the time. She gave me this book. And, but anyway, I, I was going up to visit her and I was driving up there in Tulsa and I had this book in my bag. And I got into a wreck in downtown Tulsa because I was trying to turn around. I went too far. I missed my exit. And while I was trying to get out of downtown, this um, middle-aged lady in a, a white sedan ran a, ran a red light. She was lost. Ran a red light. Totaled my car. It was my first car. It was a um, midnight blue Chevy HHR. Um, which I called the Magic School Bus because it was a cool hatchback. And everywhere it went, um, there followed a, uh, it left a cloud of cannabis smoke. The Magic School Bus. And, uh, well, I wasn't smoking when I was in downtown Tulsa trying to turn around, but I had a green at an intersection of 4th and Cincinnati going through. The other lady runs a red light. She's lost, not paying attention. Boom! We hit, and it totals my car, and, and as we're going, it's all slow motion, and I'm slamming on the brakes, and I know it's just, this too late, we're going to impact. I've got my hand on the horn in the middle of the steering wheel when my airbag, well, when the cars hit and jerk into each other, and then the airbag deploys, and then further jams it back, and I, I broke my right wrist, which really sucked because I'm very much right-handed, and... Uh, I ended up going to an emergency room and there I was sitting here trying to read this book. My mom came and picked me up because my car was gone and I had to go back. I was staying with my parents at the time because I was um, just out of grad school and uh, just kind of recouping before I moved to ultimately to Austin. And there were these um, girls Larger girls, um, goth girls, a couple of Oklahoma goth girls sitting across from me in the emergency room. Been sitting there for two hours. And these two girls, pretty big girls, come in, they sit down, oh, a couple of Oklahoma goths, very clearly. They're sitting across from me. And I'm sitting with my mom. And the girls are just kind of like, whispering to each other and then like looking over at me every now and then and it's like giggling and whispering to each other again and eventually 
one of the girls looks at me and is like, my friend thinks you're cute. And I was like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't remember all the conversation, but she wanted to fuck me, essentially. And, and then she said she was, uh, she thought I was really cute. She wanted to totally fuck. Like she would have crushed me, man. Um, I, she sat on my face. I, I might've suffocated, but at least I would have died doing something fun, you know, making someone feel good. That's what life's about. Making someone feel good. Get suffocated, eating ass. <laughs> well, she gave me this card. Her name is Ariana. I wonder if she's going to see this or hear it. Her name's Ariana, and she's the director of the Gypsy Fire Belly Dance. Gypsy Fire Belly Dance. Exciting and ethical entertainment and classes. Uh, she she gave me this business card for her uh, gypsy uh, gypsy fire belly dance classes, and on the back, uh, it, it it is written, "My friend wants your number. If you want to talk, text her." And then it's got her number, which I'm not going to show you, but. Yeah, I got that. So I saved it as a uh, bookmark for this book that I'm probably never going to finish because it's that fucking boring. This book, this is the book that the song End of the Night by The Doors is based on. End of the night, end of the night. Boy, uh, summer, what is, what, how does it go, man? Some are born to the endless night. End of the night. Wah. End of the night. Wah. Well, that song's based off of this book, Journey to the End of the Night. And my girlfriend at the time was really into Jim Morrison, and she found out that this book was the basis for that song, so she got the book. And then she gave it to me because I was like her Jim Morrison. And, uh, uh, and then life happened. We went our separate ways. C'est la vie. That's, that's life, man. It happens. Well, what to talk about now? I just feel totally like drained today, man. I almost didn't record this because I felt so off. I know what I'll do. I'll play a song for you. How's that? You want to hear a song? Mm hmm? I'll make a song for you. Let's see if I can do it. Play some guitar. This is more of a guitar day for me. I. I Especially if I'm having trouble just focusing on anything. I'm not supposed to focus on anything else in particular. Maybe I just I'm supposed to play. Getting kind of itchy here, but just play something, you know?
Let's see. Let's see if it's in tune. This guitar is precarious. See, it's... Ah, oh, man, doesn't that sound out of tune to you? James? Shouldn't you have tuned that fucking guitar before you started the show? I've been trying to tune this thing all night, and it's just not keeping it. I don't know if it's because of the if this humidity or the wacky weather changes we've been having, but this guitar is not being good about tuning. This Yamaha, I got this thing when I was 17. First guitar, still use it. Thanks, Mom and Dad. try playing a song I wrote. Yeah? And then I'll, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about it. Alright, so here's the song.
shaky there. I get so nervous. If I know that someone might be watching me play guitar, I get so nervous. Shaky. That's another problem. I get shaky when I get nervous. Yeah. And I get nervous because the guitar started going out of tune again, man. But that song... It's about a pregnancy scare. I've had a few. <laughs> uh, pregnancy scares, man. They can happen. Even if your pull-out game's strong, pre-cum can do it. Gotta watch out. That's why abstinence is the only safe way to do it. Unfortunately, abstinence, if you are not asexual, um, will literally turn you into a mass murderer. So it's not great. You can play with yourself. I don't think you can get yourself pregnant, can you? Anyway, yeah, I've had a, I've had a few pregnancy scares. I had a friend come up to me one time and tell me about an ex-girlfriend of mine, like, Oh, so-and-so's pregnant. And I'm like, I haven't seen you in a year and a half. And that's the first thing you say to me. You don't say hi. You don't even say kiss my ass. You say, my ex is pregnant. And it's been exactly nine months since we split. Are you kidding me? Ugh, that was scary. And I was scared to ask. But then another friend was like, dude, has she called you? Has she even said anything, asking you for money or anything? I was like, no, I haven't heard from her. And he was like, it's probably nothing to worry about. She would have called you, at least to let you know or ask you for money or something. She would have called. Like, well, maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know for sure. Although I did suspect I was getting cheated on, so I, I don't know. I don't know if I was getting cheated on. I don't know if I uh, did have a child or something? I don't know. I, I think I'm happier not knowing. Kid, don't come looking for me. Don't ruin my life. Come on, man. I'm just starting to get a hang of living, you know? I don't need a kid. I Shit, man, I can barely fucking afford to take care of myself. I don't know if I can handle this sort of thing. Kid, sorry. Bad dad. I really do want to be a dad someday, though. I don't. I don't really think I have a kid. I I, I had another ex um, state that um, she was pregnant twice while we were together, um, and I knew for a fact that that was not true. I know it wasn't true because of a couple issues. Manipulation. And stress. Stress can, extreme stress can affect a woman's moon cycle. And uh, manipulation can cause a person to try to tell another person that, oh, I'm pregnant with your child now, to try to control that person. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had a few pregnancy scares, but I. They were never anything really serious. I never had to 
I, I never actually had a kid. There was never any actual pregnancy, as far as I know. Um, and as far as I know, I don't. I, I wasn't that promiscuous. No one would let me be that promiscuous. Sorry. <laughs> I. If I had, when I was single. If I had an opportunity to be a slut, I I would be a slut. Yeah, I'd do it. Oh, I'd do it all night. And day. Even Sundays. Do it at Mass. Back at the church. Boom, boom. Pop, pop. Patty cake, patty cake. Cream pie, Pam. Make me baby. Looks like man. <laughs> So that song that I just played is about um, not knowing if you knocked someone up because it's a song about one's pull-out game. It's a song about um, questioning your pull-out game. People who are able to um, ejaculate semen, you got to work on that pull-out game. Make that pull-out game strong. If you even start leaking, you got some troubles, friend. You better stop that leaking. That's why I recommend urethra cork. I never have coitus without using urethra cork. However, I always you, you want to pull out before you reach maximum um, ejaculate a uh, maximum explosion before you meet climax because the pressure of it, unless you're a dribble unless you're a dribbly drew, the pressure behind your blast may shoot the cork off and like a like a pop gun a the cork will just fly out and you don't want that happening inside of your um your your coitus partner because it could pierce their flesh or get lodged in somewhere and that's no bueno mm -mm. you don't want no urethra cork floating around free radical in your body you don't want that floating around anywhere i tell you Oh, sex. Isn't it great? My parents, they had sex. It took me a long time to come to terms with that. <laughs> I mean, who wants to think of their parents doing sex? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who, like, get off on the idea of their parents doing sex. Like, fuck yeah. That's how I, that's, that's why I, that's why I exist. My parents done fucked each other. Yeah. So, everyone alive, know that your parents do, did, did sex. At least once. They did a sex at least once, and that's why you're here. We're all the product of, of, um, you know, Seeds and eggs. Seeds and eggs, man. Doing it. Doing the doing the flow. Doing dirty. Doing the clap, clap, pop, pop. Doing sex stuff. Sliding in. Sliding out. Sliding into those DMs. Hey, baby, what you doing tonight? Oh, nothing. I'm just sitting here at home. Bored. LOL. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm trying to get up in that butt. Oh, really? 
Well, I just happened to have waxed and cleaned this butt. If you want to get up in, you can get up in this butt. Hell yeah, let me slide into this butt through them DMs. And so you use DMs as a lube, man. You got your way into that butt, butt. And you get it in there and you mm, 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 smack it. Wop, 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 wop. Next thing you know, you're a baby. You got a baby and you're born. And that's kind of what the theme song to this show is about. Uh, you know, um, uh, can you can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it, because it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Sit back, relax, deep breaths, no stress. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't take long. The change will happen soon. You will feel something special growing deep within you. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That's me. And that's the gift I have to impart on you. This show, this whole thing, it's entering your mind, man. We're, we're exchanging energies, even though we're experiencing this at two different times. I'm, I'm recording this uh, in the future. Uh, wait, I'm recording this in the past to where you are now. So if you're watching or listening to this, you're in the future. So this is a message to future you. Yeah, in future circumstances. How about that? Whoa, how did we get here? How do we do that kind of stuff? Isn't life awesome? Science? Technology? You're in the fucking future? I'm in the past? Ugh, talking to you? How about them apples? The song is about fucking with energies, man. And you get the energies together and I'm sorry, I thought I was hearing like a neighbor out there or something. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if my neighbor was like sitting out beside the window like, what the fuck is this freak talking about? Ugh, I knew he was a weirdo. He looks like a serial killer. I bet he has a lot of knives. Our energies are commingling, making love, man. And together, we share this experience. And, and, and it gives birth to a new thing, a new experience. You know, that's what it's about, man. Fucking energies. Fucking magnets. <laughs> How did those work? Let me consult my notebook. I feel like I had some notes that I wanted to talk about. Let's see here. Dueling in Texas. Talked about that. Shout out to Josh. Thank you, brother. You rock. Um, okay, trying to resist, trying, just trying to be. We talked about that. Um, life as an artist. Oh, yeah. How to deal with rejection and how to approach auditioning. This is something that I've learned through experience that I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about. 
I'm going to tell you about rejection. You're going to get rejected so much more than you're going to get accepted. And I feel like it's harder for really beautiful, conventionally beautiful people with a lot of connections and money. It's a lot harder for people who aren't used to being rejected once they get rejected. Oh, oh, it sucks. Oh, you're the worst. You're the worst in the world. No one's been as bad as you in the history of ever. Oh, who are you even kidding? Why are you fucking bothering this, you loser? Yeah, you're ugly. You're not talented. And you're not interesting. So what the fuck are you even bothering with this shit for, man? Go away. Maybe do something else. Uh, those are the kind of thoughts you might have if you're rejected. Just get used to being rejected. What I do for an audition is I assume that I'm going to get a rejection. But the thing is, like with auditioning, which was this was a really hard thing for me to, to learn about once I started doing it professionally, was rejection is simply not hearing back. It's rare that you will hear back about an audition if you didn't get it, if you didn't land it. And the only time you'll hear back is if it's like a note, if it's something you really need to work on, or if it's something that they really liked and really wanted to tell you about. Um, those are like the only times you'll hear back on an audition that you didn't book. But one of the ways that helps my performance and helps my nerves is to approach the audition as if it were the gig. Because uh, honestly, auditioning is a large part of your job. It is your job. But the thing is, you've already been selected to show up to a thing. Now you get a chance to perform. How often do you get to perform? I mean, sure, you can fucking perform for your cats and dogs and the, the homeless person sleeping on the bench in the park. But how often do you get to, you know, perform in a, in a, in like a setup performance area? You know, you get to perform and audition. And so just treat that as the job. Treat the audition as if, as if you would treat the gig if you had booked it. So it's like, oh, I got an audition? Cool. I already got the job. That's not to say that you're going to get the job that the audition's for, but your job is to audition. I already got that job. I already got the job to audition. So I'm already hired to audition, which means I'm already hired to perform this thing. So this will be fun. And that's what's helped me, that, that kind of stuff. But um, you're going to hear no, as, a, as an actor, you're going to hear no a lot more than you're going to hear yes. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of no. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of no. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of no. myself. You can, oh God, I gassed myself. Uh, 
Uh, I need to drink some water. Good Lord. Uh, the water tastes like it. Uh, <laughs> God. I guessed myself so bad, man. You're going to get rejected a lot more than you're going to get accepted. And uh, that's okay. It happens to everybody. And you're, you're better off just accepting that you're going to get rejected for some reasons that don't seem very fair to you quite often. Uh, you may be the fucking best performance of the day. You may be the perfect person for the thing, but you might just not have the right look. You might just have not quite enough hair at your crown. You might just not know the right person. There's a million different, extremely superficial, but, you know, superficial reasons can be valid, but that's not to say that there are not invalid superficial reasons that will get you rejected, and you will get rejected often for just small things. Yeah. And also, the people running the audition, they want you to be good. They, they want to get the fucking process over with. They want to go do the job. They want to do the job. They, that's the fun stuff. Auditioning is just a boring necessity that they have to do. And they want, they want the job to be easy. They want you to be good. They're like, I hope the next person that comes in here is going to be the one. So that's what they really want from you. Unless it's a really vindictive shithead who's having a bad day. Most of the time, the people running the audition want you to be great. They want you to be the one. They're hoping you'll be the one so that you make their job easier. And so you, you should acknowledge that as an actor waiting to go into the audition room, but you should also not let it get to your head because you can either just go so fucking lazy, you just don't do anything really, you just go in there flat and cocky, or you could try too hard. You, you could psych yourself out and say, they want me to be the best one, I've got to be the best one. I've got to fucking knock this out of the park. I've got to do it. I've, it says I have to cry here. I've got to cry. I've got to do it. And so you go in there, and you try to force the scene. You try to force emotions. And you act, and you're all in your head. Trying to be some way. Trying, trying, trying. You're trying. And that's when you give a less than stellar performance. It's when you're trying. There is no try, only do, said Yoda. Something like that. He said something like that. There is no try, only do. That's Wu Wei. That's Meisner. That's practical aesthetics. Um, it's stoicism. Just do. Just be. Get out of your fucking head. 
by whatever means. No, no, not by whatever means. Don't start shooting heroin and shit. That's bad. Practice presence. Practice meditation. Practice just being. Practice just sitting. Practice listening. If you're going to do something, literally, actually do it. Literally, actually do whatever you're going to do. I wonder what time we're at now. Hmm. What time is it? How long has it been? 10.31 p.m. right now, February 9th, Saturday. Probably going to upload this uh, Sunday evening. So, thanks for coming back. Or if this is your first episode, welcome. Feel free to go check out my other, my other two episodes. I'm having a lot of fun doing this, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're, you're entertained. I, I want this to be entertaining and enjoyable for you. Now, um, as I mentioned before, I have a Patreon account. If you feel the need to support me in, in, in some way, you want to support this show, you want to support my art, um, I'm definitely looking for new equipment. I, I, I've got a microphone but here, but it's, uh, it's a great microphone, but it doesn't quite fit what I need for this show. If I'm trying to like save up for a good microphone or like a legit camera, I film this on my phone, um, or just other gear. Um, you, you, you can donate. If you want to donate, you can donate. Um, it's a monthly thing. So please be aware of that, um, at my Patreon, which is, uh, patreon.com slash that thing with James. I didn't write it down. Maybe, maybe I should write it down. Uh, patreon.com slash that thing with James. So if you're listening, this isn't going to do much, but for, for the viewers, patreon.com, that thing with James. And if you want to check out my website, or actually, uh, oh, my website is here jamesjasher.com uh, or, or you can find me on social media I'm mostly active on Twitter uh, uh, mostly active on Instagram really uh, you can find me at at jamesjasher so my whole brand shit's all jamesjasher except for the show um, and then if you have any questions or comments or you just want to say hi, feel free to shoot me a message at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. You can send me an email, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Mm. Yeah. And for like the Patreon thing, if you donate, I can give you a shout out for now. Um, as I progress, as I'm getting all this other 
bullshit finished with the first of the year, just trying to get taxes done and deal with some car stuff. And uh, I've got all these different things that are just fucking annoying adult shit. <laughs> um, that I'm having to deal with right now. And I'm also trying to finish my book. I, I, I meant to tell you about the book, but maybe I'll tell you about it in the next episode, but I'm still working on finishing my book. And that takes up a lot of focus and energy for me. Um, but as soon as I get a lot of this stuff finished, the book is almost finished for sure. That's the big project. Um, should be finished by the end of March at the latest. I'll have more time to devote to this show. Um, and I might even start um, going to stand-ups, trying open mic, writing for that shit. Uh, as soon as I do that, I'll get more stuff. I'll start working on more content um, for incentives for the various um, like tiers on my Patreon account. Um, I'm not sure exactly what kind of extra content, but I, I'll create extra content for people who want to uh, subscribe and be donators. Um, but that's in the future. So for right now, it's just all loosey-goosey, baby. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for watching again. I love you. You're a good person. You're smarter than you think. Everything is going to be okay. It's okay. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to try to be anything. Just be you. I like you as you are. Don't try. Don't try too hard. Just don't try. Just be. You're here. You don't need to go anywhere else. You obviously have the time to watch this show. Just relax. No, no business. No chaos. Nothing's on fire. Hopefully. Just chillin'. Just relaxing, just waiting for the next episode of that thing with James J. Asher II. Mm, bye. Love you.